All right, great singing, great service so far this morning. Thank you for being here, and uh, thank you for your faithfulness. I hope you will join us at the park. Uh, we always have our 4th of July picnic over at Wardlow Park, and we kind of just take over the whole park, and so I hope you'll come and join us. I think your Sunday school classes are having food or whatever. They'll get with you about that. Looking forward to the service this morning and looking forward to church. I always enjoy being at church. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians in a minute, the verses that we read, and so I encourage you to keep your Bible to there. In, in life, some things are more important than others, okay? In certain situations, some things are key to success. When I think of that, I think of, of church. There are a lot of things that we do at church. We have church services, which are important. We preach the Bible, which is important. We have fellowships, which are important. That's why Brother Joseph was wrong. The Filipino class is the best class in the church, okay? You say, but I'm not Filipino. Take that up with God. That's not my problem, all right? You can pretend. You can claim, you can, uh, what's the word? Identify. But don't identify as Filipino to come down to our Sunday school class and eat our food. Okay, here we go. You can only do that when they serve fish, which is a total source of irritation to me. I know, I just lost all the Filipinos. Sorry about that, but... Here's what I always hear. They say, Jesus ate fish. But you know Jesus walked on water too, and I've never done both. So, But things are important. We have different ministries. We have education ministries. We have music. All the things we do in church are important. But the fact of the matter is, the most important aspect of the church is that it must be founded on Jesus Christ. It must be for his purpose, and it must be for what he wants, or else everything we do is in vain. You got to have the key thing right in order for the rest of it to be right, right? I enjoy fellowships, as I mentioned, but you know what? Uh, I can find fellowships somewhere else. I'd rather do it with God's people, and I'd love being at church. Maybe you say, well, pastor, you're paid to be here. Yeah, I am, or else I wouldn't come, but it's not true. I used to go to church long before I ever worked at the church. I just love being here, but the church must be built on Jesus Christ. That's the foundation. And that's what I'm talking about. Some things are more important than others. And we're going to see it in this text of Scripture. And, and, and I'll, I'll, the introduction will be a little bit longer. And the message will not be as long. Of course, we, we read out of the second, the, the second epistle to the uh, Christians. By the way, welcome back, Libby. Good to see you. She'd been gone on uh, in, in, uh, missions for a few, a few months. This, the second epistle to, is written to the Corinthians uh, that we have in the Bible. There was another one written that was not Scripture. But if you remember 1 Corinthians, what Paul was trying to do was to correct some issues in their life. Um, by the way, it always amazes me. Sometimes churches in the South, they'll name their church Corinth Baptist Church. Now, if you know your Bible and you know the church of Corinth, that's not the church you want to emulate, okay? Uh, they had a lot of issues. And Paul, and God had Paul deal with some of those issues so that we would know not to allow those issues into the church today. Now we get to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and it kind of seems like they've corrected some of those things. And so Paul is teaching them some other things. By the way, the greatest problem the church of Corinth had is that they were in a very prosperous, industrious city, but in cities like that, the bigger they are and most prosperous they are, there's just a lot more uh, sin in those cities. There's a lot more opportunities to get involved in wrong, kind of like where we live, right? We kind of live in the hub here. But that's not the problem where they live. The problem was they were letting what the, what, what the city was like come into the church. That was the issue. 
So Paul deals with that. Now he's writing to them, and in the first few chapters, he talks a lot about, uh, uh, about what God had him do in serving him and being a minister and so forth. And so when we get to verse 6, he's going to talk about what they do for God because Christians are to do something for God. Look at verse 1. He says, we then as workers together, he says, now look, I have a ministry, God's having me do some things, but you know the fact of the matter is, we all are supposed to work together. We're all supposed to serve the Lord and do something for him. Beseech you that you also, here's the phrase, receive not the grace of God in vain. See, God wants all of us to serve him. And God's grace is wonderful because God's grace has provided so many things for us in life. And he says, I don't want you to, to take that grace that God has given to you and it becomes vain or empty or not useful in your life. It's really making no difference. You see, the grace of God is for more than we realize. Yes, it's for salvation, of course. When we think of amazing grace, how sweet the sound, we think of salvation. It's also for sanctification, how we live after we are saved. But it's also for service. And if you look at verse 2, we see it's also for getting the gospel out, soul winning. God wants us to take that grace we have be through salvation and, and not to be vain. He wants us to use it to serve him and use it to work in our life. We see in verse 2, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time appointed. And in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the time of salvation. He's reminding them that the grace of God is for them to work to serve him and get the gospel out to this world. Of course, the key ministry that we have, we understand, is the gospel of salvation. In verse 5, Paul called it the ministry of reconciliation. You see, as a church, we can do so many different things, and we can get, uh, we can get, we could double the size of the building and fill that, and we could triple the size of the building and fill that. But if we're not interested in getting the truth of Jesus Christ out to this world, it's really worthless. We're nothing more than a spiritual social club, and God wants us to make a difference in this world. By the way, if you're here and you're saved, I'm pretty sure you're glad somebody wanted to make a difference in your life, right? And I hope that we want to be that way as well. So he tells us that we, he, he also, as he starts talking in these verses, talks to them about not doing anything to hinder their service for God, to hinder their witness of salvation. Chapter 5, again, he also said we're ambassadors. Now, if we are not to receive the grace of God in vain, then we must be actively involved in being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, how do I do that? Well, we do it with our lips, primarily. We share the love of Jesus Christ with people who do not know it. That's why we go out on Tuesday nights, and that's why we meet on Saturdays and we go out. We're trying to share the good news of Jesus Christ with everybody we can. But in an essence, too, that is backed up by our lives, how we live. In other words, if we're not, if we are living a contradictory life to the life of a spiritual godly Christian, the witness we're trying to give of the reality of Jesus Christ would be hindered. And he mentioned some areas here where we can receive that grace of God in vain, and it can make us ineffective in our lives. Let me mention a few. Look at verse 3. He talks about our actions. He says, giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed. Talks about not giving offense. The word offense means uh, 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 like setting, a, setting a, a stumbling block in front of somebody. 
See, God doesn't want our lives and what we do to have people that don't know Jesus Christ stumble and say, well, wait a minute. They're a Christian and that's how Christians act? By the way, if you've ever tried to talk to somebody about Jesus Christ and you've done it any amount of times, you've all heard that, right? Well, wait a minute. You Christians do this. You Christians are no different than that. We've set a stumbling block. Not that God expects us to be perfect, but when the world sees us, they ought to see something that says, hey, these people love Jesus Christ. Verse 4, but in all things approving ourselves as ministers unto God. And then he gives some quality, impatience, afflictions, necessities. He tells us that we, of course, through our offense, we can distract people from the message. Um, but we can also, we also can demonstrate for the message. The word approving means demonstrating or showing positively. Isn't that what we want? Don't we want people to come to us and say, the grace of, now they won't say it like this, the grace of God is not in vain in your life because I can tell that there's something in your life that says that you do love Jesus and you're trying to serve him. And I hope that's our desire in life. Amen. The choice is ours, by the way. He also talks about if we have the grace of God not in vain in our life, we will get through our attacks. Look at verse 5. Paul can really give a personal testimony on all of this. He says, in stripes, that's being beaten, in imprisonments, in tumults, in laborers, in watchings, in fastings. These are all things that have to do with being persecuted. And, and the, the disciples, early disciples, particularly Paul, were, were very much persecuted. I mean, they did not like the message. The Jews did not like the message because they did not receive the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And wherever the disciples went, they went behind them and tried to stir them up. I always love the story. I think it's in Acts chapter 18 where Paul and them go to Ephesus and it's the temple of Diana. And man, next thing you know, people are getting saved. Things are going on. People are giving up Diana and there's literally a riot. I would, I don't want to riot, but I would, I would hope that we make such a tumult in this city that our city looks at us and says, what are those people doing over there? Not in a bad way, not riotous. I'm like, man, the gospel's getting out. They're everywhere in this city. What is going on? That'd be a good thing. And that's what we're striving for, by the way. But we need to understand that in our lives, we need to make sure that, that we don't do anything that keeps people from getting the gospel. And when we're attacked and things come at us, that we don't, we don't react negatively in a bad way. But he also talks about some attributes we're supposed to have. Look at verse 6. By pureness. Now, these other things are mentioned are all important, particularly the Holy Spirit. I think those two with pureness are really the keys, but we'll look at it in a minute. By knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love, oh, oh, by love unfeigned. These are the good attributes that we must be willing to have in our lives regardless of what's going on around us. I don't care what's going on in our life. We ought to try to live a pure life. We ought to try to be kind. We ought to try to be good to people. So often what happens, someone's mean to us and we mistreat them. How many know what I'm talking about? where we're not supposed to. I told the Sunday school class this morning, we had a singles activity on Monday. My wife and I were driving, and we got off on Beach Boulevard, and um, I got road-raged, right? I, I pulled over, and I was waiting at the light, and a truck pulled over, and this guy rolled his window down, and big guy, and his face was all red. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And so I was just looking over at him a minute. He's blocking traffic. I'm like, 
I'm like, oh, I better roll down my window so we don't have to get out of the car and dance, you know. So I roll down the window, I looked at him, and he just, he starts letting me, you cut into my lane. I'm like, oh, I didn't know I cut into your lane. And he starts laying into me. Now, he wanted me to argue. And I looked at him after a few minutes of red face. I'm like, sorry, didn't mean to do that. And he goes, yeah, but. And he was confused, like, I still want to yell at this guy, but he just said, I'm sorry. And then he started again. He goes, yeah, but, but you, you, you just shouldn't do that. And I'm like, I'm sorry. And he's like, Ugh, and he just drove off. I thought, man, his wife was in the car. If he wanted to yell, he could have yelled at her. That's what I do. Just kidding. That's long-suffering. By the way, can I just tell you something? That's not my... I would rather kept the window down and smiled and say, what are you doing? But I figured we were in a hurry. But our attributes, how do we react in these situations? This is talking a lot about how we react to other people with love and kindness and pureness. Um, and then lastly, our attributes... By honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known. You notice the opposites there? As, as, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, sorrow yet rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing, uh, but, but possessing all things. In other words, we have the attitude that the stuff that we're accused of down here or the stuff that we have down here isn't important. It's the opposite that we have because we're in Christ and because we'll be in heaven someday. He says, they're telling us that we're dying, but we know we have eternal life. And we have to have that attitude. Sometimes we're looking at all these things in the world. And by the way, let me just say this. Don't let people change the way you live. See, sometimes the enemy will send people and they criticize our Christianity. And this is what our Christianity of today is bought into. So we have to change the way we live to make Christianity palatable to those that don't know Christ. We're never commanded to do that. We're not. We're never, look, you can criticize the way our church believes, the way the Bible says, the way my family believes, the way I try to believe. Criticize it all you want, but if it's scriptural, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. By the way, if someone doesn't know Jesus Christ, of course they're going to think that way. That's just, that's how I thought before I knew Christ, right? How many know what I'm talking about? I looked at the stuff when I walked into church, they told us to do it, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. What? And then I started reading my Bible. I started studying. I'm like, oh, that stuff's in there. God wants me to live a different way. Our attributes, very important. I'd rather, be ple I'd rather God be pleased with me. Yeah. Now, you say, Pastor, that was a really short message. That was introduction. <laughs> the, you know me. I'm not going to go long. Here's the point. All of those things are important. But if you look at all those things, some of those things are hard to do. Yeah. Right? Sometimes you, be kind. It's like, that person doesn't deserve kindness. They, they deserve a swift kick. Amen? Yeah. That's what you think, not me. Just kidding. You know, this situation's hard. I don't know how, I, they treated me wrong. And it's like, I get it. It's supernatural living. And it's hard. It's super hard. So how do we do that? Well, the obvious answer, as we mentioned already, is the grace of God. But in the one verse I did not read... There are three things he mentions. And as I looked at this whole list, as I was going through it, I'm like, these three are the key. These three things I'm going to mention are the key that allow us to do all these other things in our life that seem super hard to do, that are not natural to our flesh. What are these three? I knew you were going to ask. They're in verse 7. And it'll be really simple, and we're done. First of all, I want you to see the pronouncement of truth. Look at verse 7. 
He says, by the word of truth. Do you know sometimes the simplest things are the most important? We look at all these things in the Bible. We look at everything God wants. We can just throw everything out there, and it's like, how in the world am I supposed to know what's going on? How in the world am I supposed to do what I want to do? By the word of truth. Here's the simple thing. Without the word of God, you can never live for God. That's just all there is to it. The Bible is the key. It not just teaches us what to do, it will enable us to do the things which it teaches us to do. You see, Christians are to live a certain way. And if we are, then there has to be some place in this world that tells us that way and tells us how to do it. That place is the scripture. When God talks about truth, he is talking about something that is true regardless of what you think, regardless of how you feel, or regardless of what someone has told you. There is only one truth in this world that is absolutely spot on, you can guarantee is right every time, and that's the word of God. His truth is founded on God, and he is God, therefore his word is true. Now our society will tell us that truth is subjective. It's different from person to person. What's true for you is true for you, and what is true for me is true for me. That's a lie. There has to be some place. There's one truth that's not negotiable, that we can hang our hats on, that we can build our lives upon, that we know is right. And that's the word of God. That's it. It's the word of God. If we don't have the word of God, we don't have much. It's not subjective, and it's not relative. Well, if you believe that's true, it's true for you. Okay, well, I think you're dumb. Well, that's true for you. Good, then you must be dumb. Okay, no, you're not. But it's silly. Well, I believe that, you know, if you're a guy, you can say you're a girl and you're a girl. I don't know. The Bible tells us he created them. He created them. He created them, male and female. I'll go with God. I'm just going to stay with God, and I think everything's going to work out just fine. But here's what we say now in our society. Well, if you believe it's true and I don't, you have to validate my belief. No, I don't. I can choose to disagree. I don't care what you do, what you say. And by the way, if I'm wrong about something, you can disagree. That's fine. But I don't have to, it, it's turned from like we all have the right to believe to where, no, if I believe this, you have to believe it's just as true. That's nonsense. That is nonsense. I just want to stick with what the word of God says. Truth is not some moving target. There must be one rock-solid, undeniable truth for us to follow in our lives. I don't want to follow something that sounds good, and it seems to be true, and I get to the end of my life, and I look back and say, I followed the wrong road. You see, life is too important to get detoured. Following Jesus is way too important to try to do it our own way. I want to follow his way, and that's important. The Bible is so important, it helps us to get through difficulties. I'll just quote them to you here, but in Jeremiah 20, verse 8, they were putting them in stocks, and they were persecuting them, and Jeremiah said, I have had it. I'm done. I'm not going to speak anymore in his name because I do nothing but get persecuted for it. And in chapter 20, verse number 9, he says, Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak anymore in his name. But look what he says. But his word was in my heart, as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing. He goes, I got tired of trying to fight it. And I could not stay. 
I just couldn't fight it anymore, so I'm going to do what God says. See, say, how do you get through hard times, Pastor Mike? The Word of God. The Word of God. It helps us with our attitude. Not that any of us would need that kind of help. Psalm chapter 119, verse 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. When I was in Bible college, I worked third shift, and I'd sleep in the dorm uh, after classes until I had to go to work, and they had this intramural football, and it was right outside my window, and I had to hear it every fall. And before the game, they'd get out there, and they'd say, okay, repeat the verse. And the guys would say, you know, Psalm 119, 165, great peace have they which love thy law, nothing shall offend them. And then they got in the game and just fought with each other anyhow. Okay? It's a great verse, but you got to live it. Okay? When we are following the word of God, it helps our attitude. It helps us to change. Hebrew tells us the word of God is quick and powerful, and it gets right down to it. Now, let me ask you this. The Bible, is it that important to you in your life? Does it determine... Do you let it determine what God does with you? Do you let it determine what you do for God? Do you let it determine where your life is headed? See, most of us, or Christians, but we'll walk out of here, we'll go our own way, we'll disobey the Bible, we'll just do what we want. We wonder, like, why isn't God doing anything in my life? Why don't I feel like, like something spiritual is happening in my life? Got to get in the Word of God and do what it says. Read it every day. I encourage you to be faithful to church. We always talk about four to flourish. Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night. We need more. We don't need less. When you hear it, let it get into your heart. When you hear something, try to do what it says. And you got to believe everything it teaches. Let me give one illustration. I'll move to number two. Number two. Um, when the word of God makes you different, you'll stand up in all situations. You think of Daniel. Daniel was going to be thrown in the lion's den for simply praying. Do you know the men that were trying to get to Daniel said, we are going to find a skeleton in his closet. And so they went through his life with a fine-tooth comb, and they're like, there's nothing there. He does everything. He's doing what the Bible says. And so he's, he's I mean, he's a good employee. He's not breaking law. He goes, so if we're going to get him in trouble, we have to make a law against his obedience to the Bible. And he said, that's fine. Well, I wish that we were that strong a Christian where someone said, if i got to get to them, the only way I'm going to get to them is make what they're doing illegal. By the way, probably within 20 years, that's going to be true. So number one, the pronouncement of his word. Number two, the power of God. The power of God. Continue in verse 7. By the word of his By the power of God. Now, I don't know about you. Sometimes when I read the Bible, I read some things and like, wow, that's just not me. Right? You know, love, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. I, I don't have time for that. Okay? It's like my flesh is like, no, no, that's too hard. It's just better to be mean. But you look at that and say, man, how in the world do I do that? My flesh doesn't want to do it. I want to treat people the way they treat me. Right? right. I don't want to be criticized. You criticize me, I'm coming back at you. I want to do my own thing. But you know what? And it looks hard. But you know that through the power of God, you can do everything God tells you to do? Do you understand that when you got saved, the Holy Spirit of God started indwelling in you? And he gives you the power to do what the scripture says. See, see, we're not on our own. And when we look into the word of God, it's something, If look, if God tells us to do something by the very fact he said to do it means that we can do it. God would never ask us to do something that's, with, with, that's not within our, our capabilities. 
right? And he empowers the Holy Spirit if we will listen to him to do the things that we're supposed to do. Have you ever been in a service? And I hope you have. I have. And you hear something taught from the Bible, and as soon as you hear it, God kind of likes, hey, shore that up in your life. Hey, let's, let's make that better. Will you feel that way? Do you know that's the Spirit of God? The Spirit of God. He told us in John chapter 15, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. And we read the Bible and we read something, it's like, wow, God just slapped me upside the head with that. That's something I got to work on. That's the Spirit of God. And the fact that he's telling you to do that means he's going to help you to do that. We need God's power. The problem is we quench it. I like Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. He says, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly. That just seems like overkill, right? Do abundantly. No, not just abundantly. It's almost like saying abundantly abundantly, okay? Overboard abundantly. Above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. God can do things. You say, well, I'm struggling with these things in my life, and, and I want to get victory over them, but I'm, 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 I'm just having a problem. Then here's what you need to do. Get in the Word of God and let the Word of God, let the Spirit of God empower you to do that. He will change your life. He can do it, but we have to let Him. So often we say, well, I'm not changing. It must be God's fault. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, quench not the Spirit. The word quench means to extinguish, like putting out a fire, right? Uh, you know, that's what a fire extinguisher is for. If you have a fire, you take that fire extinguisher, fire's done. It's out. It's gone. We can do that with God's spirit. He works in our life. We ignore him. We know exactly what he tells us to do, and we, we, we do the opposite, even though we know it's not right. Oh, we'll make our excuses. Some people even like try to find some obscure Bible verse to say that. That's not saying that at all. So they can do what they want to do. Fact of the matter is, if you are here and you're doing something that you know is wrong from Scripture and you continue to willfully do it, you're not going to like church very long. And the Spirit of God, you're quenching Him in your life. So we have the power of God. And lastly, we have the protection of righteousness, the protection of righteousness. Verse 7, again, by the armor of righteousness. Now, what's the purpose of armor? It's for war. It's for battle. Someone's coming at you. They shoot arrows or whatever it is. The armor protects you from that. It, th those, are, those are deflected. They're taken off. They're not going to get to you. Now, here's what we don't understand. When we think about righteousness, that is living a righteous life. Do you know what the armor that protects us from some of these things and some other sins in our life? Do you know what that armor is? Living righteously. That keeps the nonsense out of our lives. But we just don't want to do that. We need to be protected. The protection that we have as Christians from this world and in our lives is in the righteous way that we live. Amen. You see, uh, can I just tell you, a lot of the problems we have in our life, you know what they are? They're self-inflicted. Man, I'm struggling in my, this relationship. Well, what are you doing that may be disobedient that's causing that? Well, I'm struggling in this area. Well, what are you doing that's causing it? Look, you can always trace it back to, a, to something disobedient you're not doing. You put the shield down. 
You say, man, God's just, God's, God's judging me and he's bringing all these bad things to my life. Could it be that because you're not living right, you've taken that shield and thrown it to the ground and you're open target for everything? Living right is good for you. Let me just say that right now. I remember, I, I'm, I'm older, I'm older, I'm not old. So I'll just make sure we understand that. But I remember when AIDS became a thing in the 80s. Some of you will remember that. When it first came out, they tried to scare everybody. Like, everybody can get it, all this stuff. And, and I heard a preacher say, he goes, that's not true. The only way early on that you got it, if you didn't get it through the, the, the evil, sodom, sodomized ways, is they didn't know about it, blood transfusion, right? How many remember that? But once they got that settled, and they're telling everybody you could still get it, it's like, wait a minute, I'm married, I'm, I'm living right, it's just me and my wife and nobody else, I'm not out doing drugs with needles, I'm pretty well protected. I'm not going to get it because I stand next to somebody. That's not how you get it. Do you understand that? Because we lived a Christian life, there's all kinds of things that we're protected from. Living right is the right way to live. Amen. And we don't have, that. it just it irritates me. Christians that our lives are no different from those who are saved because we've thrown down the shield of righteousness. Man, it's so good for us. Protects our marriages. You live a righteous way, you're not going to be flirting with somebody else. I didn't go very well. Well, I got an email from somebody at work, and they said, hey, sweetie, it's like, hey, the next, then you email them back, drop dead. I don't want to be offensive. Offend them. You have my, say, my pastor said, drop dead. <laughs> somebody says inappropriate to you, ladies. Some guy says something inappropriate. You tell him to drop dead personally. You say, pastor, that's mean. Don't let some guy be some idiot. Okay. Look, I'm, I'm going to follow God. I'm not going to be hanging out in places where I'm not supposed to be hanging out. You know, pastor, I, I, I went out partying and I was drinking and I was at this bar and these guys were hitting on me. Duh! Or I drank a little bit. By the way, drinking is against the Bible. Just throw that out there every now and then so you know that. And you're not talking to somebody that grew up in church. I could give you personal testimony, but I don't want to. I'll stick with the scripture this morning. Well, you know, pastor, I got in this trouble because I was drinking. You shouldn't have been drinking. You threw down the shield of obedience. And we get ourselves in all kinds. I got fired from my job. Why? I stole something. Okay? Come on now. Let's just follow God. Protects our families. It's good for us to put protections in there for our kids. So I don't want to, I want to treat them like adults. I ain't treating an 11-year-old like an adult. I don't even want to treat my 20-year-olds as adults. I never let our, our kids are never getting a cell phone, only Emily, she's left, until they're 18. Pastor, you're a prude. Guess what? Saves a lot of problems. I don't have to worry about what they're doing on social media. They ain't on social media. I ain't got to worry who's calling them at night because nobody's calling them at night. I say, Pat, is that a sin? No, but it's an open door, so I'm going to be careful. And I'm a tightwad. I don't want to pay for their phone. I'll save that money. We throw it down. Our morality, we've talked about that. And even our bodies, do you know it's, it's just physically better for you to live for God? Yeah. And I'm not, I don't say this to be mean. Some people, they've had rough lives. And they live that rough life. And they look 20 years older than they were. Yeah. Because sin is an abuse of the body. We learned that in 1 Corinthians. Yeah. 
right? About, about you sinneth against your own body. It protects our testimonies, you know? No one's ever going to look at you and say, they said they were a Christian and they lived no different, so I didn't think it was true. And it protects from consequences. We've talked about that. So what's the point? Everything we're supposed to do for God, there's that list I gave you, yes, but let's just look at it. The Word of God. How important is the Bible to you? Oh, I want to come to church, I'll crack open my Bible, we'll read five verses, and I'll, I'll dust it off and bring it back next Sunday. You need to get into it. You need to be serious about it. How about the power of God? Are we quenching the Holy Spirit? Is God ever showing us something or we know something we're not supposed to do and we do it anyhow we're putting the Holy Spirit's power out in our life and then what about being unprotected you're bringing so many things into your life you don't have to I don't know about you I don't like drama now I have a million kids and that's just drama right there but I don't like drama but you know the drama that's in our lives sometimes it's because of the way we're living and I understand sometimes stuff comes in our life that has nothing to do with us. God will give us the grace to get through that. Don't get me wrong. But if we live the right way, a lot of that drama will be swept away because we're following God's path, and it's a protected path. Those three things are vitally important. How are you doing in those areas today? Let's bow our head and close our eyes for a minute, if we may. Thank you for listening. Talked a little fast. I didn't want to go too long. But these three are key. So many things God wants of us, and we look at it in our flesh and say, wow, God, I can't do it. He says, okay, let me help you here, the word of God. How's your, hey, maybe we should be a little more faithful to church. Maybe we should be more faithful to our, to our Bibles. Maybe let's, let's get involved in a Sunday school class where they teach the word of God. Maybe I can not just read the word of God, but maybe look at some of the things and, and make it a part of my life and my heart. How about the power of God? Or is the way you're living quenching God's spirit? It's like this. You, you, they have XM radio now, but you listen to a radio station, you're driving away from the station. You can hear the station really strongly, but the farther you get away from that station, the harder it is to hear, and eventually you get so far away from that station, you don't hear it anymore. That's what we're doing with the spirit of God. And then, are you holding up the shield of righteousness? Are you trying to live in such a way that we're protected from the nonsense of sin? Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, that was, a, that was a lot to understand. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the first thing you need to do. Maybe you're here this morning I'm going to ask a question. Are you 100% for sure if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? Or do you have any doubt at all? You couldn't give a scriptural reason. You say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure. With nobody looking around, if you say, Pastor, I'm not sure. If I were to die, go to heaven. That's something I, I think I'd like to know. Pastor, would you please pray for me? Anybody like that at all? Just raise your hand. I'll pray for you. Anybody at all? Yes. Over here. Yes. I'll pray for you. Yeah. Yes. Anybody at all? Let's stand together. Sir, back here. Piano's going to play. Maybe you need to strengthen your relationship with God through his word. Maybe you need to listen to what God's trying to do in your life. Maybe you need to put that shield of righteousness to protect you from the nonsense of this world. If God spoke to you, why don't you use the altar? Why don't you come?